history of Montenegro consists of many wars and unrest, making it difficult to build trust and develop deep relationships. In the history of the Assemblies of God World Missions, there has never been an AG presence until recently. Just a few years ago, the very first AG missionaries set foot into the country of Montenegro. I will be joining this young couple, and together we will see what opportunity God opens up for us in evangelism, discipleship, church planting, or any other opportunities. My heart and passion is still to see next generation leaders trained and equipped. However, the challenge that we face is that so few evangelical Christians even exist in the country of Montenegro. Our heart's desire is to see these churches trained up, leaders trained up, and next generation leaders equipped to be able to serve in children's ministries, as well as to see churches planted throughout the country and next generation ministries developed and growing. Please help us in building this groundbreaking ministry in a country that is engulfed in spiritual darkness so we can see this next generation love Jesus, passionately follow Him, and experience a life transformed through a personal relationship with Him. Thank you. share a little bit as you saw in the um, the video I've been as Michelle said I've been serving in Romania for 13 years and um, I'll be just sharing briefly a little bit about what what we've been doing there so um, I've been working with a team called Kids Romania and it's a team made up of American um, Assemblies of God missionaries El Salvadorian um, Assemblies of God missionaries so God has sent um, um, missionaries from El Salvador to come. Recently, we just had a, a missionary couple from Kenya join our team, and then, of course, our Romanian um, staff. And so um, you'll see in the next slide, this is our team that um, um, they're still working, even though I'm here and I'm going on to another country. So the ministry is still continuing, and it's amazing. And if any of you are familiar with Romania and the history, former communist country had been under the dictatorship of Nicolae Ceausescu, who publicly declared that the God of the Christians would never have its place in the country of Romania. And in Christmas Day, 1989, Nicolae Ceausescu and his wife Elena were arrested, tried, and executed for their horrendous crimes against the country. And I believe on that Christmas Day, 1989, God said, oh, yes, I will have my place in this country. 
And God has been doing some amazing things. And I know many um, probably still recall the images of all the children and the orphanages. And, and, um, but God is doing amazing things and building up his church. And um, what our team gets to do is we get to come alongside with, um, with hundreds and hundreds of churches throughout the country. We were a national ministry. We come alongside these churches, and we get to say, um, you know, how can we help you with this next generation? And so our heart is, is working with this next generation, and we, we reach them through evangelism. So we will go and we'll share um, the gospel using clowns and puppets and skits and fun activities and games, you know, how every Sunday morning should be like, right? <laughs> And so you can see some of, in the next slide, some of our characters. That's Dr. Lupa. And, and so we, um, we share that. But evangelism is great. You know, we, we need to go out and we need to cl declare the good news of Jesus Christ. But that can't be the only thing we do. Because the Bible says go and make disciples. And that's an ongoing process. As, as, um, you know, so we should be discipling others through living our life. And, and, and as a team, we're not able to do that with um, the children week after week. And so we will train and equip the, the churches to disciple. We'll do training seminars, as you'll see in the next picture. Um, just that's, This is one of many, many churches throughout the country. We've been able to train their children's workers. We've been able to equip them with curriculum and material and just help equip the churches and to do what Ephesians says, to equip the saints for the works of service and to help them so each one in their community, they can reach the children there. And and, um, and we also provide um, discipleship programs like Junior Bible Quiz. Anybody here familiar with Junior Bible Quiz? Nobody. So here in America, Junior Bible Quiz is a discipleship program for boys and girls through the Assemblies of God, and the kids hide God's word in their hearts, and they, they hide biblical truth in their hearts, and, and then they, it, it's kind of like a fun game show. They'll compete against and have a competition against other um, churches, and it's like a quiz show, and they have these electronic buzzer systems, and it's pretty cool, and then the winners of each state go in, um, on a national tournament and here in America, and we've taken that, and we've adapted it for Romania. And now, you know, the same concept, the kids hide God's word, hide God's truth in their hearts. We don't have fancy electronic buzzer systems, as you'll see in the next slide. We have fly swatters. <laughs> That's our high-tech system, and so it's cool. And the kids love it in a culture, Romanian culture, they love to memorize. And, and we started, after we developed this program, a few years afterwards, we started to, to encounter a big problem. The problem was that the children, as they hit the maximum age for this program, were begging us to stay in. <laughs> Isn't that a great problem to have? They were like, can you just add one more age and one more age? And so we created adolescent. We went from, we, we have junior Bible quiz, which is JBQ, and now we have ABQ, which is adolescent Bible quiz. And, and so the youth, um, with the adolescents, we've adapted the program, made it more complicated for them. But what's really neat is that the graduates from junior Bible quiz and adolescent Bible quiz are now helping us, and they're helping, and they're going with us to train other churches to start JBQ. They're helping us to do children's evangelism. Many of them are also leading the children's ministries in their own churches, and they're helping us at summer kids camps. And so it's neat to see and to disciple these, these young people into ministry. Um, during the summer, as you'll see in the next slide, is um, summer kids camp. And so, of course, we get to do um, a time with the kids and just allow them to have a time in, in encounter with the Holy Spirit, uh, which is amazing. 
Um, has anybody here ever heard of Operation Christmas Child, the shoe boxes? Anybody here ever filled those shoe boxes? Have you ever wondered where do those shoe boxes go? <laughs> so you'll see in the next slide, um, Romania, we've received thousands of those shoe boxes. And so we get to go bless these churches and these children and, and give them the gift um, of those shoe boxes. But it's more than just gifts of toys. It's about being able to bring them the message of who Jesus Christ, why we celebrate Christmas, and what's, um, and just to also confirm the validity of Operation Christmas Child and Samaritan's Purse. Like I said, evangelism and discipleship. We've got to disciple the children. So while it's great to go and, and give the shoe boxes and, the, you know, preach the good news and then leave and pat ourselves on the back, our heart is to see these children grow and learn and be discipled. And so this program, Operation Christmas Child, provides for us free. They've translated their curriculum and material to disciple the children following the evangelistic outreaches for Christmas. And so it's really um, an amazing program, and we've been able to partner with Samaritan's Purse. And you'll see in the next one, of course, our heart. And this is what Michelle came and the women came to help us with. They're reaching the women. And so we'll go out into the villages, especially um, some of the Roma Gypsy villages and some of the poorer villages where women are considered second-class citizens. Domestic abuse is extremely high, and um, the women just really don't feel valued. And many of them are just living in horrible and hard and difficult conditions and, and hard work. And, and many of them think, well, if I can just leave, if I can escape my circumstance, if I can go to America, all my problems will be gone, right? <laughs> Or if I go to Western Europe, and, and so we get to come to them, and we just get to love on them. We come and we bring our tables, and we decorate them. Very simple. But we've had women come in and just start crying because nobody's ever done anything so beautiful for them in their life. We'll play games and just let them laugh. And we've had women say, I've never laughed so hard in my life. Right before I came back to the States in November, we did some ladies' outreaches, and and. We were in a Roma Gypsy community, and, and you know, we're setting up, and the women wanted to help us. And, and we kept telling them, no, we're here to serve you. Sit down. We're here to serve you. And one woman comes up to me, and she says, I have 15 children. I've never been served in my entire life. And so I got to tell her, have a seat. Today's your day. We're here to serve you. And it's amazing how open their hearts are to receive the gospel, to receive Jesus just by a simple act of serving. When we go with the attitude of a servant, when we go and serve others, a simple act of serving can open people's hearts to receive the love of Jesus Christ. And Jesus came to serve, not to be served. And we need to, to um, model that. And it's just, it's a beautiful ministry. And we've been able to see so many women um, come to know the Lord and be a bring their whole families to church and it's it's beautiful and also it opens up a door because they now they trust us and we've had some communities where we've had a hard time getting into that community to do children's outreaches and once we go and we love on the women um, especially during international women's day which is in may and it opens up the hearts of you know the the mayor and the the political leaders where you know it, it makes them look good if they open up and allow us to come in to do something for the women um, because they get that one day. <laughs> and so um, once the women get to know us, then when we come back and do a children's outreach, the pressure that they put on the political leaders, we want them to be with our children. And because we built up a trust, and it's been really neat, and it's opened up the doors for us to come back and, and do outreaches to the children. 
And I've mentioned the Roma Gypsy, and we'll see in the next picture, um, Ministry to the Marginalized. Roma Gypsy throughout the world are discriminated against and persecuted against, and um, Roma Gypsies can be, they're everywhere. They're basically a people group without a country. So there's Roma Gypsies. So Roma Gypsies are not Romanians. Roma Gypsy are located everywhere. They, it's believed that they originated from northern India, and, um, but they've been persecuted and discriminated everywhere. And so God has opened up a door for us to go into many Roma Gypsy communities, which are usually very closed. Um, they don't trust outsiders, and for good reason, because so many have just tried to annihilate them. And so God has just opened up a door for us to go in, even as outsiders, to come in and, and minister to them. And so um, in the next slide, I want to just give a couple shout-outs to some of our— um, what I love about the Assemblies of God is their heart and passion to, to, to raise up children and youth to love missions, to have a heart and a burden for missions. And so we have ministry programs like Speed the Light where our youth in the Assemblies of God Church has raised money to help us um, purchase vehicles and sound system equipments to be able to go to those remote villages— um, all the vehicles that Michelle and the team came in were all Speed Delight vehicles um, that um, um, Oregon helped us um, to raise. And also um, BGMC, in the next slide, um, our children in the Assemblies of God churches help us raise funds um, to sponsor children to go to camp, to help us launch um, junior Bible quiz. Our boys and girls here in Oregon helped us buy a lot of fly swatters. <laughs> and so it's... Um, so I love the AG programs that really instill the heart because when children have a heart and a burden to give to missions, they become teenagers who have a heart and burden to give to missions, who then become adults who have a heart and burden to give to missions. And it, it's not just about giving because these ministries, it's a discipleship ministry that helps instill the heart of, and passion of reaching the lost. Um, the money is a tool, it's a resource and stuff, but we want these children and youth to have a burden for reaching the lost. Um, in their own community and around the world. And um, so in, um, how many of you um, have ever heard of the country Montenegro? All right. Well, before today. <laughs> so um, in the next slide, you'll see. So Montenegro, um, God called me to Montenegro, and I'll share just a little bit, but uh, many people um, don't know where Montenegro is. And so it's actually, a, so I've gone from Romania to Montenegro. It's um, not too far. It's still in what they call the Balkan region, former Yugoslavia, and it's surrounded by Croatia, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Albania, Kosovo, um, Serbia, and the Adriatic Sea. So if you look on a map, it's easy to find. If you take Italy's boot, the bottom of the heel, kick it backwards, you'll run into Montenegro. So it's a tiny, tiny little country. And um, so it had been part of Yugoslavia, and in the 90s, if you're familiar with the, the wars that broke up Yugoslavia, and then it had been actually um, one country with Serbia. So it was um, part of Serbia as one country until 2006, it gained its independence. So it's a fairly new and young country as far as being um, independent. And so they're right now just kind of trying to establish their identity and going through a lot of um, learning and growing pains, and so, um, so kind of how, you know, God spoke to me several years ago, and I'm just going to be honest, um, I wasn't looking to leave Romania. I mean, you've seen the pictures and, and um, the ministry, and it's been, I've been there 13 years, I speak the language fluently, and, and my home's been there, and, 
you know, and, and the doors are wide open and, and there's still so much work to do. And, and you know, God started speaking to my heart several years ago and, and I honestly, I didn't want to leave. You know, I didn't want to leave. I, you know, I love the ministry, and, um, but more than anything, I want to obey God. I want to obey God. And sometimes obeying God means leaving something that is amazing. Because that ministry in Romania is amazing. It's been my comfort zone, you know, and, and um, it's been, you know, Romania is not an easy country to live in, but it's, it's my comfort zone. I know the language. I know the, you know, the culture. And my friends have been there for the past 13 years in my home and, and everything. And, and um, I've always told the Lord, you know, I'll, I'll go anywhere. I'm willing to go anywhere. And, and so um, when he started speaking to my heart, I, I just said, okay, Lord, um, I need to know and I need to know that this is of you because, you know, I, I'll obey. But it's not easy. It's not easy to leave something of your comfort and your, you know, and, and um, something so amazing to go someplace that's so dark. And so God's been really working and growing me these last few years. But I was at a, um, a missions conference a few years ago, and I went there to go serve. I went there to go speak into other people's lives and to challenge them to obey God and to consider missions. <laughs> and, and it's amazing how God sometimes tends to speak to us when we least expect it. And um, so I'm at this missions conference um, speaking into the hearts of college students and, and um, our, our leaders in the Europe. So we were at a Europe um, gathering, and these college students were listening to, and we were all listening to this compelling plea from our, our Europe regional leaders who were talking about the Balkan area and the need for missionaries and, and how we have never had in the history of the Assemblies of God World Missions, we've never had a missionary presence in the country of Montenegro. And we have so few missionaries in the Balkans. It's a tough and dark and spiritually dark area, and, and the challenges there have been really difficult on missionaries. And so they're calling, they're just pleading for, for help for Montenegro. And and um, and at this conference, they, they were presenting the very first missionaries, so kind of a celebration, the very first uh, missionaries to to be called to Montenegro. Um, they were raising their funds to go as the first time. They were right out of Bible college, very young, had a young baby. And, and so they were introducing this young couple and just saying, yay, you know, praise God, we finally, finally have the very first missionaries to go to um, Montenegro. And they were trying to um, raise funds to go out there. And this was back in 2017. And then this, the plea was, we need more. We need more people. And in that moment, God started speaking and said, guess what? You're going to go. And at first I dismissed it because it was a powerful presentation and, and the, the, the need was so great. And, but I kept saying, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm in Romania. I've got this mission. So I've got this work. And, and God kept, just kept working in my heart. And he kept telling me, no, you're, you're, you're going to leave and you're going to go. Trust me with what you're leaving behind. Sometimes I want to hold on. It's just like, but they need me. And God was like, well, they need me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man, it's humbling. <laughs> and so I, um, I, you know, and so as the day went and I'm listening and God's working in my heart and I'm wrestling, I'm like, Lord, seriously, are you really calling me to leave Romania and go to Montenegro? And in that moment, this, this student came up and asked me to pray for her. She said she felt called to go to Europe. And so I asked her, I said, well, where in, you, 
in Europe do you feel called to go to? Because I'll I want to connect her with the missionary in that country. And she said, I'll go anywhere. I'm willing to go anywhere where there's a desperate need, where there's unreached people groups, where there's you know, very few Christians, where there is a huge need. I'll go. I'll go anywhere in Europe except Montenegro. <laughs> and it threw me off because I'm thinking, wait, we just heard this presentation about a desperate need one of the most, most unevangelized countries in all of Europe, very few evangelical believers, you know, and she says she'll be willing to go anywhere except this one country. And in that moment, God spoke to me and said, see, very few people are willing to go. Will you obey? Can't argue with that. So I went back and I actually prayed and fasted for several months because I, I, I don't take these decisions lightly and I didn't tell anybody, nobody knew went back to Romania after this conference, prayed and fasted, and then eventually called my leaders up. And I told them this whole story, and, and um, they just came to me, and they just they looked at me, and we were on Skype, and they said, this is truly of God. What I didn't know and what I didn't realize was after this young couple accepted the call to go to Montenegro, they were going to be the first missionaries. They were hoping to get there in um, um, 2018, the next year. And and the leadership decided to change their prayer. They were praying for more people, but they prayed specifically. They didn't want brand new missionaries straight from America. They prayed that God would put a burden on the heart of a veteran missionary who had already been serving for many years in the Balkan region, who would be willing to leave that country they'd been serving in and move to Montenegro. Sound familiar? <laughs> so when I told them exactly, and I, I laid out my heart, what I thought God was speaking, and everything I said uh, lined up to exactly what all of our Europe leaders were praying for specifically. And so we knew that we knew that this was from God. So that began several years ago, and, and I told them I wanted to stay in Romania to finish my term. Um, I wanted to have time to transition and to... Um, hand things over, and so I stayed there until 2019, and, and um, so that's kind of, you know, it's, it's one of those where, you know, it's just it's obedience, really, it's obedience, and, um, you know, I miss Romania, I love Romania, my heart's there, but my heart is also um, to Montenegro, and, and one of the first things um, I get to do, a lot of people ask me, well, what are you going to do when you get to Montenegro, and, and, um, and um, of course, I get to learn a new language. <laughs> And um, so I, I, that was one of the challenges, like, man, 13 years to learn Romanian, and now I get to learn another language. And so we're going to do a little language lesson. So in the next slide, so I want you to say with me in English, God bless you. You guys got English down good, Pastor. I think we got some missionaries to America here. You don't even have to learn the language. <laughs> You're already set up. Okay, so to say God bless you in Romanian... Say with me, Dumnezeu, sa, va, bine, cuvinteze. All that, just to say God bless you. Dumnezeu, sa, va, bine, cuvinteze. All right, so in Montenegrin, which by the way, Montenegrin um, actually doesn't really exist, but because Rom uh, Montenegro was part of, was one country with Serbia, so they speak Serbian, but as, because they're trying to establish their identity, they're just 
made up a language. So they've taken Serbian and have adapted and kind of created their own dialect. And it's still an evolving language because this is all really new. And so if um, a friend of mine who's Bosnian said, well, Montenegrin doesn't exist. And I said, well, don't tell the Montenegrins that. <laughs> um, so Montenegrin, so um, say with me, Bog, Te, Blagoslobio. And then as you can see, the second, Bog, Te, Blagoslobio. So there's two alphabets, the Roman alphabet letters and the Cyrillic. So it's a Slavic language similar to like Russian. Aren't I lucky? So now you can be praying for me. So um, Romanian is a Latin-based um, country, or Latin-based language, and um, Montenegrin is a Slavic language. But the benefit is, once I learn this language, I'll be able to speak actually four languages, because um, it's also the same as Croatian, Bosnian, and Serbian. So I'll be able to communicate in many of those countries. So a little bit about Montenegro. Um, in the next slide, you'll see, so the word Montenegro actually means black mountain. And so it's very mountainous areas. It's along the Adriatic Sea, um, but a lot of it is very mountainous, and um, which makes it very remote and challenging to get to some of these remote villages. I'll be living, at least my first year while I'm learning the language, in the capital city, Podgorica. That will be in the next slide. So Podgorica, actually, um, the majority, about, well, over one-third of the population of the entire country lives in this one city. Um, the country itself is pretty small. It's 620,000 people. Um, so, but this will be my home um, once I move there. And so in the next slide, you'll just kind of get a little feel for it. Um, open markets, and this is very common in Romania as well. Um, so I just kind of want to share with you, you know, again, I, of course, I'll be learning the language. and. And as far as what I'm going to be doing, a lot of people ask me um, if what I'm going to be doing in Montenegro is the same as what I've been doing in Romania. Um, so the answer to that is yes and no. Is that pretty clear? <laughs> what I'm going to be doing in Montenegro is similar to what I've been doing in Romania in the sense that wherever we are, whether we're in enterprise, whether we're in Romania, Montenegro, we're all called to follow and obey Jesus. We're all follow, or we're all called to preach the good news. We're all called to make disciples. That doesn't change by our location, and so we're all called to that. Um, I say no; it's not going to be the same as what I've been doing in Romania because it's a completely different culture. Romania has a strong national church, three thousand Pentecostal churches. 3,000. There's more Pentecostal churches in Romania than there are in all of Europe combined together. Strong national church. We, you know, we have open doors, wide open doors. They're doing amazing things. And when I first got there, there wasn't much in the way of children's ministries. And so we've been able to see a complete transformation in so many of the Romanian leaders' hearts and minds and their worldview about children's ministries. In fact, pastors now are contacting our team and saying, we want to plant a church in this village that's never had a church, but we want to begin with the next generation. Will you help us? And so we get to be involved in church planting efforts, beginning with the next generation. So thousands of churches to work with and, and um, you know, strong national church and the partnership with them is phenomenal with the Assemblies of God and the Pentecostal Church. Montenegro, on the other hand, 
one Pentecostal church in the entire country. About um, eight evangelical churches in the entire country. And of those eight, one is um, Pentecostal. The entire country has maybe 300 evangelical believers in the entire country. Each church has maybe, I think one church, um, the one church in Podgorica has um, maybe about 40 people in the entire church, and then the rest are 10, 15. It's just tiny. There's very few believers. It's a very lonely, and talking to the few evangelical believers I've met while I was there on one trip, um, they're just like, it's very lonely. It's very difficult. We get persecuted. We get made fun of because we're strange because um, there's so few of them. And the concept of having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is just unheard of in the majority of the country. And to kind of help you put it into perspective of um, as far as just the, the how few believers there are in this, this country, how many of you have ever been in the Opsen Stadium? One in the back? <laughs> okay, so on the next slide. So the Opsen Stadium um, holds at full capacity 54,000 people, pretty massive. 54,000 people. Now, if we apply the ratio of the evangelical believers that exist in Montenegro, and we apply that ratio to the stadium, if that stadium is full to capacity, and we were to add up the number of evangelical believers using the ratio, there would be, out of those 54,000, there would be 27 believers. So can you imagine being 27 of you in that entire stadium and the rest not believers. So we have a lot of work to do, and, and but the Holy Spirit obviously is calling and leading. Um, and in the next slide, um, there really is nothing in the way of children's ministries, no um, next generation ministries. And so um, what we're gonna do really is just share our lives, build relationships, share the gospel with one person at a time Hopefully, these churches that do exist, not a single one of these churches that exist, not one is pastored by a Montenegrin national. They're all pastored by foreigners. They're all independent and just kind of doing their own thing. And there's really not much in the way of any evangelistic outreaches and that mindset of evangelism reaching our community. And, and so um, we're just kind of, <laughs> what is this going to look like? God's going to show us, you know, and, and so actually a pastor prayed over me and, and prophesied that as long as I just continue to pray and fast and seek the Lord, he will give me the strategy and he will help us and stuff, but it's going to take a lot of um, hard work and basically pioneering in this um, country and, and um, you know, in, in the churches here in Oregon as I'm sharing over these next few months before I go back, um, just, you know, my, my request and for all of the missionaries is pray please pick up, pick up a prayer card um, as you give financially and help support missionaries. It helps us to, to go to countries like Montenegro that are in, in dire need of the gospel and, um, and to go. You know, some of you, like Michelle, went overseas and some of you have gone over to um, do missions trips, but in the scripture verse when it says, go and preach the good news, so many people focus on the emphasis on go, where actually that is kind of a continual action word that means as you go about, as you go about day to day, as you go about living your life, preach the good news. So it's not about going to a physical location. And so many people read that as like, well, I'm not called to go. 
And that word is actually misused. It says just as you go about your life day to day. Go about your life. Go about interacting with people in your community. Go about reaching your neighbors. Preach the good news. We're all called to go and preach the good news. And, you know, I, in my quiet time this morning, and um, I just want to share with you this quickly, and I hadn't shared this in churches um, since I'd been here, but I really felt like this was something um, that God placed in my heart this morning to share with you. And, and I think about just, you know, I, I get to do this. And I'm honestly, I'm not anybody real spectacular. I didn't um, come from a Christian home came from a very broken home. I actually came out of foster care. Um, since the age of 13, I was in foster care. My foster mom died when I was 17, and the state said, you're old enough, you're on your own. So I have been on my own since I was 17 and just struggled with um, my identity and who I was growing up with um, one parent who was borderline and narcissistic and bipolar, was told many times how worthless I was and uh, not valued and I started to believe it, and so by 12 years old, I was doing drugs and alcohol and um, attempted suicide multiple times, was in psychiatric care. And so when I just reflect on what God is doing through my life now, sometimes it's like I get overwhelmed because it's like I get to do this, but who am I, <laughs> you know? And I think so many times people, you know, disqualify themselves from doing what God is calling them to do. Um, and maybe it's because of what somebody has um, spoken into your life is what they claim to be your identity. But our identity is in who Christ is. Our identity is in Christ, not in what we do, not in what's been done to us. And I was reading this morning in Jeremiah, and I love this in Jeremiah 1, um, where the Lord says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, oh Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand, touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words into your mouth. And I just pray if that's a word for you, if maybe God's calling you to, to step out and to do something. So many times we can have, but Lord, I'm just a youth. I'm just this, or I'm just that, or, or well, I've done this, or I've done that, and I, there's no way I can qualify. None of us are qualified, but the Holy Spirit, God qualifies us. He is qualified, and the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that same spirit is in each one of us. And that is what qualifies. Christ in us is what qualifies us to do what he's called us to do. And, and so I just want to challenge you, if God is speaking to your heart to step out, I never imagined growing up and, you know, and by all statistics and, you know, in human standards, I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. I really shouldn't have been alive. But God, he transforms us, and, and he has a plan for us. And, and when we surrender our lives, when we say, Lord, yeah, I'm not qualified, or this is, this is who I am, but when we surrender our lives to him, 
he can take the most broken person and he can transform us to do amazing things. So don't allow lies or don't allow the enemy or even what other people have said or done to you or maybe things that you've done yourself. Don't let that disqualify you. Christ qualifies you. You're qualified through Christ. And so I just want to challenge you if you're wrestling with something God's calling you to do and, and, and you're using the same excuse that Jeremiah when he said, but Lord, I'm just a youth. Whatever you're saying, I'm just this. Give it to the Lord and allow him to work through you. He'll give you the words. He'll give you what you need to do what he's called you to do. I still can't believe I get to do what I get to do. And, you know, I think about going to Montenegro, and it's just like, Lord, you're, you're obviously going to have to do something because, you know, it's, I'm not qualified, but Christ is qualified. Christ, Christ qualifies me. And so I want to pray with you and just challenge you to step out and do what he's called you to do. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father, for your sacrifice, what you've done, Lord, the price you paid for each one of us, Lord, and, and Lord, that we are all sinners, but Lord, by your grace and by your mercy, Lord God, we are righteous through you, Lord God. We are made righteous through you, and we just thank you, God, that you have paid the ultimate price for each one of us, Lord God. And I just pray, Lord God, that we would step out, that we would be willing to just obey you and to step out and do what you've called us to do, Lord God. And for many of us, Lord God, that just scares and terrifies us, Lord. And we, we, we may have excuses and we may feel like we're not qualified, but Lord, we just surrender. We surrender. We surrender our fears to you. We surrender our excuses to you. We surrender just even our lack of understanding or our feeling of being unqualified, but Lord, you will qualify us. You will equip us. You will give us the words like you told Jeremiah, Lord. You touched his lips and you said, I'll put my words into your mouth. And Lord, we pray that you would do that, Lord, as, as we step out of our comfort zone, as we step out to do what you've called us to do, Lord. I pray we would just surrender. We would surrender all, Lord, because in the end, it's about reaching the lost, Lord. Let us step out so that those around us will know you, Lord. There's still so many to reach, whether it's in Montenegro or here in Enterprise, Lord God, there are still people that need to know you, people who are dying and entering into eternity without knowing who you are. And I pray, Lord God, that you would use each one of us, Lord, to step out of our comfort zone, to step out, Lord, and to be obedient to what you've called us to do, Lord. Whatever that looks like, whether it's teaching a, a Sunday school class, whether it's um, you know reaching this next generation, whether it's sharing our faith at work, Lord, or with our neighbor, Lord, or maybe it's to go to another country and to to serve you, Lord. I, I pray, Lord God, that you would put that burden, you would break our hearts for the things that break yours, which is the lost, Lord. Your heart was so broken for the lost, for each one of us, that you sent your only Son to die on the cross for us, Lord. That's how much you love us. And Lord, give us that same love and help us to see people around us through your eyes, Lord. And help us, Lord, to, to be a, a vehicle, Lord God, an instrument that you can use, a vessel that you can use, Lord. And I thank you. I thank you, Lord God, that you are reaching the lost. You're still reaching the lost, Lord, and you choose to use us. We just thank you and praise you and give you all the glory.
I just wanted to tie this into something here. Um, we've had this up here for a while. Uh, so it was like two years ago that felt like God had put it on our hearts that, um, that there was 50 folks that should receive Christ and salvation, and that was something that we were starting to pray for, that we could be a part of the salvation of 50 people. And I was just rereading in my journal this morning, and the, the Lord last year um, kind of amended some of that thought, is that, well, what if we're not praying just for 50 people to come to Christ, but what if we had 50 people who were willing to make disciples? How much farther would that go? And, and just thinking about this call to missions is that, uh, you know, we've been talking about spiritual disciplines, and one that we're, we're looking at is simplicity, and being a Christ follower is really simple. You just look at Jesus and do what he does. And he was himself everywhere he went. And, and something that just really stood out when you're, you're talking about the number of believers that might be in that stadium you could look at your workplace or your neighborhood or the street that you live on and you can go, well, I'm the only believer in this place. Well, guess what? That means you're the missionary. God has sent you. And, and I know some of you, I know some of your work situations and the workplace that you guys are in. And that can seem like a hostile environment in some cases. But we wrote these names in red. And we're knowing that it's Christ's blood that's going to wash away sin and transform us. And he does the work, but he's asking us today, are you willing to go? And maybe it's across the ocean or just across the street. But we're the disciple makers here. Nobody's going to do your job for you. And as James shared at the beginning, we want to be doers of the word. And, and for some of us, we've been sitting on our hands for a long time for a variety of reasons. Uh, afraid or you know, we just haven't been equipped or, or whatever it might be. And we're just waiting, thinking, well, maybe God will send somebody else. Uh, the time's now. You know, we are the people of God. And there's a world out these doors that needs him. And God sends us. So with that in mind, uh, Tamara and I were talking earlier, we wanted to give opportunity to ask questions. So I'm expecting that your questions are going to be coming from a place like, okay, I'm a missionary now. Dang. Uh, I got a question. <laughs> uh, so feel free to ask questions about how this story and God's call applies to your situation. Um, you might have some questions for Tamara in, in specifics of what she'll be doing, but this is a chance to get your questions answered about God's call on your life. Um, so we'll go ahead, and if you're listening online right now, uh, we're going to shut off the recording, and uh, you can email us or text in, uh, message in your questions. We'll try and forward them on to Tamara, but I want this to be just a free environment to people for you guys to ask real personal questions if you want. Um, and so if you're on online church right now, uh, we'll see you next week.
and uh, we'll get that stopped and I'll get the mic back here.